Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. I'm convinced that when we boil it all down, we gather here together because of one thing, or more accurately, one person, the person of Jesus. Underneath all we do as a movement, it's his presence that permeates everything and it sustains everything that we do. John Wright is a senior pastor with his wife, Debbie, of Trent Vineyard, a large multicultural church in Nottingham. John and Debbie also serve as national directors of vineyard churches in the United Kingdom and Ireland, overseeing more than a hundred vineyard churches. A former jeweler, his background in the vineyard movement under John Wimber has influenced his style of ministry. John is a passionate soul winner, an anointed teacher of the Word of God, with a heart for ministering to the poor, the needy, and the vulnerable. His desire is to see the church move out of its walls to transform communities. John and Debbie are blessed with two sons and grandchildren. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, John Wright. Hello, I am thrilled to be with you. I feel very privileged to be speaking to you today. Warmest greetings from our own local church, Trent Vineyard, and also the vineyards all over the UK and Ireland. You know, we just, Debbie and I, love Pastor Agu and Shola, and we count it a huge privilege to be numbered among their friends. I want to begin by telling you a story which was really a pivotal moment in our life. The first person I ever prayed for who needed healing was 38 years ago. It was in August 1982 and Debbie and I were in this meeting. It was a huge tent on Chorleywood Common, a number of churches all coming together and David Pitchers was leading that meeting and he at the end did something he'd never done before. He gave out some words of knowledge, little snippets of bit of information of who God might want to particularly heal that evening and so or that time. And so he read them out. One of them was, there's somebody here who has injured their leg and it's just not healing properly. And so he gave these out and we looked around and we saw a young man come from the very back of the tent, walk down the aisle. He was limping really badly, clearly in pain, with a walking stick. And so when David said anyone who'd like to come and pray for them can, we jumped out of our seat, went straight to him, and we were joined by two others, older people with more experience than ourselves. We had no experience whatsoever at this point of praying for someone who needed healing. Anyway, he had been involved in a motorcycle accident. He had broken his leg and it wasn't healing properly. And so we all laid hands on him. We prayed for him quite quickly that the, and the pain just completely left. And then one of the team was uh, just getting this impression that his shoulder had been damaged as well. And she said, uh, was your shoulder damaged? And he said, yeah, that was torn in the accident and that's not healing either. And so again, we laid hands on him, prayed again, the pain completely left. And uh, one of them asked him, well, did he know Jesus? And he said, no, no, I was, I was just walking on the common, saw this great big tent. So I slipped in the flap at the back and 
somebody from the front said, there's a young man here who's injured his leg and it's not getting better. So, And then they said, I should come up to the front. And so here I am. <laughs> and so uh, they quickly shared with him, you know, the gospel and asked him if he'd like to receive Jesus's free gift of salvation. He said yes. And so they led him through a salvation prayer. And I can still see him now in my mind's eye, walking to the back of the tent and leaving, swinging his walking stick completely pain-free and presumably over the moon that he had accidentally walked into that tent that night. I think we were more amazed than he was. I was 22 years old at the time and a few months before, it was, uh, it was the first time I'd ever heard about actually people praying for folks who needed healing and with any expectation that something might happen. I grew up in a wonderful church, St Andrews in Chorleywood, outside London, and uh, David Pitches became the vicar partway through the time that I was there. And it was uh, pretty lively, it was a charismatic church, we knew a bit about spiritual gifts, so prophecy was happening, uh, the gift of tongues was happening, but really there was no teaching, there was no expectation that uh, if you prayed for someone, that something amazing might happen in terms of healing. It was a visit from a man called John Wimber uh, and a team the previous year that everything changed. And David had invited John Wimber because some of David's friends had said, you've got to, you've got to hear this guy. He's seeing in his church uh, amazing miracles, signs and wonders. People are getting healed. It's absolutely amazing. And he led a church in the Los Angeles area called The Vineyard. And it's a church from which over the course of the last four decades or so, uh, churches have been planted all over most countries, many, many countries of the world and of which the UK and Ireland and our local church is a part. In his teaching, John opened up the Gospels with a fresh perspective. It had always been there, but it was just a fresh perspective on what Jesus did and what we're called to do. And we realised that Christians were supposed to minister to the sick with an expectation that you know, they would see people healed. And as we heard that teaching, we just thought, this is amazing. We were hooked and it was really quite key in our uh, early years of discipleship that we really were excited about what the Lord would do and use us in doing it. I'm going to unpack a little bit of what the Gospels say in a moment, but I just want to begin uh, with a little passage in Mark's Gospel, which I sense the Lord just sort of lay on me my heart really as I was praying for you and praying about this time that we would have together. In Mark chapter 3 um, we see Jesus healing a man with a withered hand and uh, he's in the synagogue there and then he withdrew to the lake and needed a boat to stop all the people crowding in on him and it says here in verse 10 for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. This is one of the, the many summaries of what Jesus did, some of the works in his ministry. He spent his time preaching the message of the kingdom of God, healing people and demonstrating his authority over demons. And then it says he went up, Jesus went up on a mountainside, verse 13, and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I love the two extraordinary truths which are contained within that one sentence. It says he appointed these 12 that they might be with him and that he might 
send them out. Send them out to do essentially what he had been doing. And I'll return to the second half of that sentence shortly, but I just want for a moment to rest with you in the first half of that sentence, because it's important the order in which the two things are listed. It says here, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And this is the starting point, really, of every fruitful activity in the kingdom of God. The 12 got to literally be with him, of course, you know, for multiple hours a day. They were listening to him. They were watching him. They were, they were developing close relationship with him. They were sharing intimately with him. And just as it says, he called to him those he wanted. So today he has called us, first of all, to be with him. Not physically, as with the first disciples, of course, but now through, through abiding in him, through being intimately connected to him, like a branch is connected with a vine. And he says it this way in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, apart from me, that's the starting point of our being fruitful in ministry. Intimate connection with Jesus is the beginning of fruitfulness, of doing things which we cannot do in our own strength, cannot do apart from him. The theme for your conference is intimacy with God. Before we move on to look at what the Bible teaches about doing the works that Jesus did, it is so important that we don't miss this point. It's through being intimately connected to Jesus that we become intimate with God the Father. And it's through intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son, that we are anointed to do works of power. Let me say that again. It's through being intimately connected with Jesus that we become intimate with God the Father. And it's through intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son, that we are anointed to do works of power. Intimacy with the Lord is uh, so accessible to every one of us. And, and the truth is that perhaps uh, he's so often more present to us than we might be present to him. And so I really want to encourage you, as I encourage myself, spend time with the Lord very deliberately growing in closeness of your relationship with him. Now we're ready to move on to the second part of that sentence. And so we're back here in Mark chapter 3. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. Send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I find it interesting that there isn't even a comma in the middle of this sentence. Jesus calls us to be with him and to send us out with the message of the kingdom of God and with the authority uh, that he had passed on to us or over the works of the devil. And here he mentions driving out demons as an example of that. We might be tempted, as some believers have done throughout history, to put a comma in that sentence, a huge comma to separate the two parts in a way that Jesus never intended. We're not supposed to put a comma there. He appointed 12, that they might be with him and that he might send them out. 
There's not supposed to be a pause there. You know, we're not supposed to spend the first 20 or 30 years of our Christian walk learning the first part and only then begin to think about him using us in works of power. Neither can we, of course, see works of power apart from him. It's, it's both and, okay? The, the one springs from the other. And then we see that sending is recorded in Matthew chapter 10. And this is what he said as he sent out his disciples, sent out the twelve. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then in Luke 10, he sent out 72 of his followers with their commission. Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And they came back really excited following that trip, really excited at what they'd seen happen. And then the last command that's recorded in the Gospels, which Jesus gave to his followers, is this. We find it in Matthew chapter 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything he had commanded them. And he commanded them to do what? Well, to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to cleanse lepers, to even, yes, even raise the dead. Mark's gospel, as he finishes, just uses different words here in Mark chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll do a bunch of other stuff. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. And we see the early church springing off in the book of Acts and doing just that. We see healings just happening throughout. Huge numbers, vast numbers of people being healed in the book of Acts, including people being raised from the dead. I think of one, the Apostle Paul was preaching a very long sermon, which I promise I won't do today. So long, in fact, someone fell asleep, fell out of a third story window and was picked up dead. The Apostle Paul went down, raised him back to life. Amazing. Until shortly before that meeting in the large tent, on Chorleywood Common, I had no idea that Jesus had commanded his disciples to teach each subsequent generation of believers, including you and including me, to go and heal the sick. Or that people getting healed as we minister to them is, is something that we can expect to happen. From that point, Debbie and I started to minister pretty much to anyone who was unwell who would let us. And sometimes we'd just pray for someone quickly who we'd met on the street. Sometimes we, we regularly visited people with chronic conditions over long periods of time. And uh, some of the people we prayed for were healed and some of them weren't. And over the years, we've seen just some extraordinary healings I don't have time to go into now, but people who were, were given just days to live who then walked out of hospital or um, hearing and sight being restored and cripplingly painful and apparently incurable conditions disappearing. Some healings are simply astonishing. Most, it's fair to say, are fairly minor, but, but still it's pretty amazing for the person who's receiving it, you know, when they receive that healing. Let me just tell you a few 
little stories from just recent weeks. So since uh, our moving to services online because of lockdown, we've been praying for people using uh, a chat function on YouTube, I think, or at least on Church Online. And with people, they type in their prayer requests and then somebody types in a prayer. And even though that's a, a really unusual method of praying, uh, we've seen people healed from physical conditions, including things like severe toothache and chest pain, and uh, somebody had a perforated eardrum, uh, someone had extreme hip pain, just melted away as, as they were reading the prayer that was being said via this chat function. In our services, we've also been reading out a number of words of knowledge, uh, as we'll do at the end today, uh, with some of our pastors just send them in by WhatsApp. And I heard from someone this week who last Saturday shared, uh, started, sorry, started to share, uh, to experience, sorry, heart palpitations. And she has a family with heart problems. And so she was saying, oh, what's this going on in my chest? And on the Sunday morning, as she was just tuning in to the service, she, she said, Lord, do I need prayer for my chest? And just then I read out a word. I shared a word that someone had atrial fibrillation, heart palpitations. And she wrote to us this week. She said, as she heard that, she's not had any symptoms since. Just wonderful. One of our youth mentioned uh, on their small group WhatsApp that they had hurt her their back. It was a, a girl. And a number of people in the group just prayed for her and they sent back replies like praying now and the pain in her back completely disappeared. And we've been hearing multiple stories from other vineyard churches across the UK and Ireland uh, of people being healed during online services, during Facebook live streams, during Zoom calls, including someone who actually recorded a prayer on their phone for a friend who had tinnitus and then emailed that as a sound file. They got it, they played the sound file and instantly the tinnitus stopped. I heard from someone at the Glasgow Vineyard whose aunt had been diagnosed with cancer and after watching uh, their online service with her mum, the first time her mum had attended any church outside of a wedding or a funeral, they prayed together for her aunt. And she wrote this, to cut to the chase, my aunt got healed. And as a result, mum told me last night that she will never say she doesn't believe in God again. I also heard this week about someone uh, called Jess who was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and after prayer is now completely healed with no arthritic blood markers. Just just shared her testimony uh, a few times with others, some of whom have been instantly healed just hearing her story. So it's exciting, but this is just a little glimpse of what we have seen just in recent weeks. Miracles, healings, demonstrations of God's power were always supposed to be part of the expectation of Jesus followers. Every Jesus follower, not just the pastors or the particularly spiritual or those people who seem to have a bit of a, a ministry or a gift, particularly in healing, you know, we have an expression in the vineyard, which originated with John Wimber. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. So if you would call yourself a Christian, that means you. You're enlisted. I want to encourage all of us today, no matter how young you are in your faith, uh, to step out and, and have a go. Have a go at praying for someone who is not well. And, and really, what have you got to lose? Well, they might not get healed. Yeah, true. But they might get healed. 
And it doesn't go right every time, doesn't go well either time. And the truth is sometimes we just simply don't see what we're hoping for. I was recently in Nottingham City Centre and uh, I bumped into someone from the church who was talking to someone that they vaguely knew from another city. And he was evidently not a Christian, but as I joined the conversation, he mentioned that he was suffering from a very serious condition. There was some high blood pressure associated with a very complex thing he was experiencing, and he was evidently very concerned. So I, I offered to pray for him right there, and he agreed, and so we, we laid a hand on him, and uh, we commanded the condition to be healed. And, and when he opened his eyes, he said, um, I need to go. And he turned on his heel, and at a brisk walking pace, he, he left. Now, I, we don't know whether anything happened or not. You know, I think he was perhaps a little freaked out. A few months ago, my hairdresser told me that he was due to have surgery uh, for a condition which meant that he was in pretty constant pain. And so I'm sitting there, I'm in the in the chair and he's snipping away. I said, you know that I'm a Christian. Could I, could I pray for you? Uh, I've seen people healed. Not everybody, but you might get healed. And uh, don't worry, it won't take long and it's not going to be weird. And so he said, OK. So as I was then at the till I was paying, I said, let me pray now. And so we moved a little bit away from the other um, chairs, hairdressers and the other clients and customers there. And uh, I laid a hand on him, on his shoulder, commanded the condition to be healed and all the pain to leave in the name of Jesus. And it was a little bit awkward praying for the boss in the middle of his shop with people kind of aware of what was going on. But I just felt I should I should go for it. You never know what might happen. Nothing apparently happened and shortly after that he went ahead and had surgery. That sort of situation has happened to me many, many times. Many times. I've seen some people amazingly healed, but most times I've prayed for people in a shop or in a street. When I've asked if anything has changed, often the answer has been no. And that's slightly embarrassing. But at least I tried. At least I tried. You know, over the last 38 years would be now, I've prayed for hundreds of people who have experienced partial or complete healing. It's been amazing. I've also prayed for many, many hundreds of people who have not apparently received any measure of healing at all. In some instances, I've, I've done funeral services, you know, for dear friends, hardly keeping it together with a broken heart doing a funeral for someone I've prayed for many, many times. We live in a time between the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Uh, there's this tension. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because God's kingdom has not fully come. His will is certainly not being done as it is in heaven. And, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is here, but it's not fully here. God's will being done, but God's will not being fully done. Wherever Jesus ministered to the sick or the demonized, healing and freedom happened. The kingdom came with Jesus. Not everyone we pray for gets healed. There's nothing new about that. The Apostle Paul mentions by name, for instance, a couple of uh, people, his ministry uh, companions, who were evidently not healed after probably considerable amounts of prayer, Epaphroditus and Trophimus. When we minister, we just don't know what's going to happen. Last year, a friend who has some belief in God but has never been involved in a church uh, asked us if we would be willing to go and pray at the hospital for a young man who was dying. He was in intensive care and he was given just the night to live. 
And so we had to, we went in there and we had to put on gloves and aprons and masks and, and so on to be allowed into his room. And sensitive to when the nurses and doctors needed to get to the bedside to fix machines and do different things like that. We prayed for him. And then in the waiting room with about eight or ten of his extended family, none of whom were believers, we, we joined hands with them all and we prayed for him again. And then we prayed that they would know God's peace, which some of them commented that that was an amazing experience for them. The following day they called to say, it's amazing, uh, he's stabilised, could you come again and, and pray some more? So we went in again, we got all togged up and we prayed for him and then again with the extended family in the waiting room, we prayed for them. And one of them then asked us whether we would be willing to pray for one of the other people present. We said absolutely. So here's this young woman, she had endometriosis which she had had uh, for many years she'd had a series of operations and she had for those years been in pretty much constant pain and as she'd been told she would never be able to have children and so we just laid hands on her we spoke to her condition we commanded it to be healed and then a few days later we went back to pray for this young man again and this young woman told her that all her pain had disappeared and she felt that she was completely better shortly after that last visit to the hospital, tragically, the young man died. And it was heartbreaking, so disappointing. And, and you know, but yet at the same time, uh, because we were there with him and his extended family, it has given us the opportunity to pray for her. And shortly afterwards, she was evidently completely healed. She became pregnant. She just recently had a baby. It's amazing, but it's a mystery. You know, it's a mystery because how come one was healed and the other wasn't? You know, if we were God, good job we're not, we don't have his wisdom. But if we were God, we would, we might have chosen to save the one who was dying rather than heal the other one. It can be confusing. It can be heart-wrenching as we engage with other people's pain and, and, and find disappointment when things don't happen as we wish they might. What we can be certain of, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, okay? But what we can be certain of is if we don't step out and take risks and pray for people, then we will not see God move supernaturally in healing. That's pretty certain. I love something that I heard Jordan saying. He's a pastor from Hawaii, What he, uh, that he said. He's, he talked about living a life of try. Living a life of try. If we don't try... If we don't take the risk to actually pray for someone who needs healing, then we won't see people healed. If we do, then it won't be long before we see some amazing things happen. And I wouldn't be able to share the stories that I have today uh, without people who, you know, had tried. They, they stepped out, they had a go. God is not looking for a 100% success rate, okay? He is looking for people who are available to him to be used by him. We minister to the sick not because we have... Uh, great success the whole time but because we're commanded to do so and God isn't concerned very much really about our ability he wants our availability he wants us to be willing to try now perhaps more than ever right now the world needs people Jesus followers who are willing 
to try. I believe there's an invitation today for us all to be people who are willing to step out, willing to try. And our current situation doesn't stop us, doesn't stop God certainly from moving, shouldn't stop us from partnering with him in what he's doing. I believe that God will do amazing things in this season, in this lockdown, in this COVID-19 crisis. He will. Even though we're socially distanced and therefore we can't lay hands on people and pray for them for healing, uh, we can still pray for them over the phone. We can, as we've done, pray for people over Zoom. Uh, We can use WhatsApp. We can pray for them over FaceTime. We can still text someone to let them know that we're praying for them. Uh, We can still record a prayer on our phone and email it as a sound file to someone. There are so many creative ways we can minister to those in need of healing. Remember those words from Mark. He appointed his initial followers to be with him and that he might send them out. We're anointed to do works of power through our relationship with him. And so if you have a relationship with God, you are called to minister to those who are ill. God hasn't changed and he's inviting us to partner with him with an expectation that we can see things happening through us today. We're just going to spend a time now praying. And so wherever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, and indeed wherever you are in the world, whether you're watching this alone, whether you're with a group of people in your household, I'm just going to ask you to join us in inviting right now the Holy Spirit to come, wherever you are. You might just want to be open in your posture. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you love to visit your people. And we invite you into every room where hearts are open today. Lord, we ask that you would anoint us. We thank you for the promise that you're with us always to the very end of the age. Would you anoint us to do your works, works of power, signs and wonders, things way beyond things that we can do in our own strength. Would you anoint us? And Lord, would you nudge us where we so easily stay within the safety of our comfort zone? Would you nudge us, prompt us when we find out that someone is sick to step up, to take a risk, to risk the embarrassment? And Lord, we thank you that you'll be present in those moments and whether we see what we expect or not, you're at work. Now I asked our pastors to do what we are doing each Sunday, which is to send in a few words of knowledge. And so six pastors sent these words. And so let me just read them out. And we'd love to minister to you if this applies to you, or indeed if you have any other condition you would like us to pray for today. So first of all, three of the six sent this, loss of vision in the right eye. Two of them had the word heart palpitations, heart palpitations. One of those people might be called Pete. Someone having panic attacks, particularly hyperventilating. Three of them had the word migraines. A man with a painful left hip who is struggling to walk. Someone with bowel cancer. 
swollen, painful joints, possibly a lady called Primrose. Cystic fibrosis, possibly a lady called Caroline. So as I say, those are just a few the Lord may be highlighting right now. But wherever you are and whatever your condition, if you would like God to heal you, can't promise, but why don't you lay a hand on that place? Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe you need to lay a hand on your heart. Maybe it's a mental unwellness in some way. Lay your hands on your head. But perhaps if you have one of those conditions like migraine or something, lay a hand on your head. Place a hand on that body part and we're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would increase your presence and we speak to that condition and in the name of Jesus, command it to be healed. Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in this body. It will be set right as it was designed to be. And we speak to that pain and command it to leave. We speak to that condition and command it to be healed. Amen. Obviously, it's very limited what we can do through the powers of technology, but I really would encourage you from this point to be looking for opportunities to pray for people and also be open to the fact that God might use you to heal someone else or someone else in the healing that you need to receive yourself. Thanks for the time with you. God bless.